sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome to our number two of the morning after live right here on Sports Grid, Sirius XM, channel 159, the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM and all across the Sports Grid network as well. I am Ben Stevens. Tons to get to in our number two. We've done a ton on today's Tangy Tuesday of the morning after. Major League Baseball, the new drama in the golf world. Brooks Kepka joins the live golf series we've touched on the nba draft and how the market is moving we've talked college football now it's time for college baseball at the college world series in omaha nebraska two games yesterday including a nightcap on a monday full of two of the biggest favorites right now to win the college world series on the men's side it was Ole miss in arkansas and Ole miss continues their perfect undefeated postseason in college baseball absolutely hammering the Razorbacks yesterday Ole Miss winning by a final score of 13 to 5 going well over that total of 10 and a half that we broke down for you yesterday Ole Miss now perfect 7 and 0 not only just the college world series but through the regional and super regional rounds of this NCAA baseball tournament an eight run victory yesterday over the Razorbacks and Arkansas has been to Omaha four times in the last seven times we have seen a college world series so a huge win yesterday for Ole Miss over Arkansas Ole Miss now in prime position just one win away from getting to the college world series final series against a slew of teams we will see later on Arkansas will have a chance against Auburn to have a rematch against Ole Miss in just a few days in Omaha. But we told you yesterday that if you looked right now at where the odds stood for the College World Series, entering yesterday's game, Oklahoma, who is the unbeaten on the other side of the bracket, was your favorite. Is that still the case? On this Tuesday morning, we find out is in just a couple of seconds, as you can see right there, as we predicted. The winner of the Arkansas and Ole Miss game, given how good both of those teams have been in this postseason, especially the fact the Rebs are unbeaten, that team would probably jump to your favorite. And that's what we have seen here with the running Rebels at plus 130 now to win the College World Series championship. 30 cents ahead of Oklahoma at plus 160. Notre Dame is 12 to 1 with the third best price. Arkansas also tied right there. The Hogs at 12 to 1. Both Notre Dame and Arkansas have one loss right now coming out of the winner's bracket back to the loser's bracket. Arkansas will now play an elimination game against Auburn coming up tomorrow in Omaha. Today, it is Notre Dame against Texas A&M. We'll look at those odds in just mere moments but this is a different board right now with the six remaining teams out of the Omaha eight than we expected heading into the tournament that's because the two favorites are the first two teams sent packing from the big O Texas was your favorite entering the College World Series with a price around plus 400 or plus 450 by the time we got underway 
Texas was your favorite throughout most of the college baseball regular season as well. Texas, who was making their 38th all-time appearance in the CWS, the most ever in the history of the sport, set home after only two games and a horns down from their rivals in A&M. Stanford, the number two overall national seed, back in Omaha for a second straight year, had the second best odds ahead of the College World Series that began this past weekend at plus 550, plus 500, a number that Stanford was fluctuating between the Cardinal, the second team, sent home as well, as we saw yesterday. So, as we welcome in our Sports Grid Radio audience here to the second hour of the morning after live on this Tuesday, Sirius XM Channel 159, all of our terrestrial radio affiliates as well. I am Ben Stevens, looking back on the action yesterday at the Men's College World Series in Omaha, Nebraska. The two top uh, odds, the two betting favorites entering the College World Series are now done. Stanford losing yesterday in a game against Auburn. With the Tigers advancing, they will face Arkansas in just a few days. So now as we look at where things stand, the Tigers sending the Stanford Cardinal home, we look forward to today. Elimination games are what we have on the line for the next couple of days in the College World Series. And the odds are out for both of those games that happened today. Excuse me, I thought Arkansas and Auburn would play tomorrow. Both of those games on the docket for today. First up, Notre Dame and Texas A&M. The Fighting Irish are a minus 148 favorite against the Aggies. And take a look at that total. Totals in the college baseball, especially by the time we get to the College World Series in a big park in Omaha, are a lot higher than you will see on a Major League Baseball slate on a daily basis. 14 and a half is that number for the Irish and the Aggies today. Texas A&M staving off elimination, sending Texas home two days ago. Notre Dame lost to Oklahoma two nights ago in Omaha to find their way into this game. The winner advances. The other is sent home. And then the nightcap, once again, in Omaha is a matchup of two SEC teams, Arkansas and Auburn. Arkansas is the favorite at minus 138 with a total at 13 and a half. We showed you just moments ago, Auburn dispatching of Stanford 6-2, to two, the final in Omaha yesterday to stave off elimination and still keep their run alive in the big O. Arkansas losing to Ole Miss last night, but the Razorbacks are comfortable in this scenario. I would not be surprised to see the Hogs cash a new minus 138 ticket to keep their hopes for a College World Series title alive in Omaha, Nebraska. We go to the NFL up next on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Right back here on the morning after on Sports Grid on this Tuesday, live across the grid in Sirius XM, Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens. Tuesday, June 21st, but never too early to look at the National Football League and the futures market in the NFL. Now that mandatory minicamps have come and gone, the NFL is truly in its final little bit before we get to 
training camp, summer break in the National Football League, but a time to reset and look at where things up and have the conversation about where the odds stack up for this upcoming 2022 NFL season. Now, you have heard me say this multiple times here on the morning after, but I think it bears repeating as we go through these summer months, getting ready for next year in the National Football League. The AFC is going to be a gauntlet. The AFC is by far the mo more competitive conference and is going to be very difficult for even the best teams in this league that might be the most talented on paper to find their way into the postseason. We'll start big picture and then dive through these odds to try to paint a path of what those expectations should be within the AFC this upcoming year in 2022. You're looking at the AFC championship odds right now. You will see the Buffalo Bills as your favorites to win this conference, currently at plus 350, a dollar and a half in front of the Kansas City Chiefs. But when you start with KC and you go next to the Chargers, then the Broncos, both tied for the same price, the third best odds to win this conference championship at plus 850, three of the top four teams hailing from the same division in the AFC West, six of the top eight teams, as you see right there, from the AFC West or the AFC North. Given how the postseason works, not all of those teams can make it into the AFC playoff picture. Your four divisional winners get a berth and a hosting job for the, the first round, at least, of the AFC postseason. One team now has a bye, and then you have three wildcard spots, seven teams that play in each conference's playoff. So when we look at that in the National Football League, not all of those teams, six of the best eight odds coming from the AFC West and the AFC North, can make it to the postseason. So how do we try to factor that in when we look at where the prices stand right now in the summer months of this campaign getting ready for the NFL season? We also then look at the make playoff odds. And when you look at the AFC right now, you will see five teams that are not divisional uh, favorites at the moment. Five teams that are not the divisional favorites that are minus money, favored, you could say, to make the postseason. That includes the Cleveland Browns, at minus 210. We'll look at that number in just a moment. The Chargers at minus 155. The Broncos greater than $1.30 as well at minus 135. And the Bengals minus 115. The reigning AFC champs who appeared on behalf of this conference in the Super Bowl a season ago. And the Titans at minus 110. That's pretty even juice on Tennessee. Not strongly favored to make the AFC postseason picture. But do not forget the Titans were the number one overall seed in the AFC just a season ago. So you have four divisional favorites right now. The Buffalo Bills at minus 180 in the AFC East. The Kansas City Chiefs plus 155 in the AFC West. In the AFC North, the favorites are the Baltimore Ravens now at plus 160. And in the AFC South, it's the Indianapolis Colts at minus 105. It's not all that different, the price on Indy or Tennessee. You could say that's a toss-up right now to win that division. Who gets that automatic berth into the postseason? And maybe why Tennessee is only at minus 110 to make the postseason. Not both of those teams have the best opportunity, you could say, to make the AFC postseason picture. But you have four divisional favorites, all favored, of course, to make the postseason. And then five other teams, once again, five other teams that are favored to make the playoffs right now in the AFC. That's nine teams in total. If you do the quick math, not all nine of those teams 
can get into the postseason. Again, only seven spots, four going to the divisional winners, and then three wild card spots. And I do want to break this, uh, bring this up because we talk often about the AFC West. The Las Vegas Raiders, outside of the Kansas City Chiefs, were the only other team out of that division to make the postseason a year ago. The Raiders are nearly $2 at plus 198 to make the playoffs now. The Raiders are 7-1, to one, the longest odds out of the four teams in the AFC West to reach the AFC, or to win that division, I should say. And so you have a team right now in Las Vegas that made the postseason last year, not favored to do so, not one of those five teams that are in minus money to make the AFC postseason picture. It is going to be that difficult to get into the postseason this year. Now let's pull back up that board. I keep talking about it. The Cleveland Browns are minus 210 to make the playoffs. How? Why? Never pay greater than $2 on the Cleveland Browns to get into the postseason. As the offseason drama and the legal issues continue with Deshaun Watson, Cleveland finally is no longer your favorite to win the AFC North. In fact, Cleveland now has the third best odds to win that division. That's a regular season price, as is minus 210 to make the postseason. The Cleveland Browns do not have odds up for their team win total. If Deshaun Watson misses a considerable amount of time, which he stands to do, six, eight, ten games, Cleveland's not making the playoffs. I'm sorry. It's not a bet I would let a minus 210 of juice on. So that price makes no sense to me. And by all means, if you heed my advice, do not bet it right now. But we're talking about AFC expectation, right? What should we come to expect for this upcoming season in this conference within the NFL. We showed you Buffalo is the favorite to win the AFC championship. Is it deserved? Sure. As of right now at plus 350, especially when you take in the path that Buffalo has. You might be thinking to yourself, Buffalo and Kansas City played that wonderful divisional round game last postseason, last January inside Arrowhead. One of the best football games these two eyes have ever seen. Yet it was Kansas City that won that football game. And oftentimes it feels maybe the Bills get the optimism from having just been competitive in Arrowhead. But the reason the Bills are plus 350 right now to win the AFC is not just the progress shown by Josh Allen, not just the offseason acquisition of Von Miller already adding to the best scoring defense in the NFL a season ago. It's because of Buffalo's path through an AFC East division that should be a lot easier by all estimations than that of the AFC West for Kansas City this upcoming year because Buffalo is minus 180 right now to win the AFC East. The Bills have the best odds of any team to win any division in this conference right now within the AFC. But it is interesting when you look at the New England Patriots and the Miami Dolphins tied here for the same odds to win this division at 4-1, to one, a lot behind Buffalo, but still the second best price currently in the AFC East. And it's expectation. Mac Jones entering year number two, his teammate at Alabama, Tua Tungabailoa, entering year number three with the Dolphins. And the Finns made a big splash this offseason in trading for Tyreek Hill from Kansas City. You would feel that if year number three is the time for Tua to show us he can be a successful quarterback in the National Football League, it will be because of the tools he has at his offensive disposal. With Tyreek Hill now, Jalen Waddell, Miles Gaskin, Mike Kosicki, a really good team for the Dolphins stacking up this year. And you would think maybe 
Does that make Miami a wild card team or at least a possibility of making it in the AFC playoff picture? The Dolphins and the Patriots are in very similar situations, as you can tell by those odds you just saw. A team win total for Miami at eight and a half. It's the same number, at least, for the Patriots, but Miami slightly more juiced to the over at minus 130, the Patriots at minus 115. Not only do they have the same team win total in number, the same odds to win the AFC East, both at four to one, but the same odds to make the postseason at plus 140. The Patriots were a wild card team in the AFC. They got absolutely smashed in their wild card game against the Buffalo Bills, but still they made the playoffs a season ago. So if you're thinking this is the year for Tua to show us they could be a postseason team in Miami or Mac Jones in year number two will take that step. Right now, both teams are plus 140. You have to set the expectation as we get ready for a new campaign in the NFL. It's win total Tuesday. We do that next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Tuesdays on the morning after from this point out through the rest of the summer can be known for two things a tangy Tuesday especially when Kevin Walsh is here in the opening hour of this program and of course win total Tuesday as we get set for a new season in the NFL welcome back to a Tuesday on the morning after live on sports grid I am Ben Stevens and one of the hosts of this show last week Megan Payton joins us now MP a shout out to you and Dubsy of course for doing a sensational job holding down the fort. I was able to watch a little bit on Spectrum Sportsnet in Los Angeles, and you guys were sensational. So thank you for doing a wonderful job, and we will bring that level of excitement to another win total Tuesday here on TMA. Ben, thank you. We had a blast, and I think Dubsy and I have just even more respect for you and the team here at TMA, everything that goes on behind the scenes. So we appreciate you letting us, you know, take over the fort for a few days while you got to see some fam and uh, enjoy the sunny weather in California. It was beautiful to be back out on the West Coast. The team here on the morning after John Shames, Jack Weinberger, Alex Fasano, Jesse Metzger, Hayden Walter, everybody behind the scenes. That makes our job that much easier here on TMA. All right. Win total Tuesday once again. Last week, MP, we went through our favorite overs. You forgot the New Orleans Saints, but we made sure <laughs> to include that as well. Now we go to the other side of the coin in our favorite unders, a team we are slightly fading for this upcoming 2022 NFL campaign. MP, we begin with you. Who are the two teams you're looking at that maybe not going to have the best record, at least by expectation, for this upcoming season? Okay, Ben, the first one I feel like I've already dogged a few times on the show. So I apologize in advance if something like if it turns out differently than I expect. But I've got the Arizona Cardinals under mm. nine and a half wins. And I also have... Here we go. The Tennessee Titans under nine and a half wins. These are two teams, Ben, that, you know, you kind of expect, you hope to have a good season. And, you know, there's obviously teams we can look at that, you know, are expecting to do worse. But nine and a half is really the key number that I'm looking at here, because starting with the Titans, the Titans 
obviously lost wide receiver A.J. Brown. I don't think people realize how big of a deal that's going to be. Are you telling me, Ben, that their new draft wide receiver, Traylon Burks, is just going to come right in there and fill the shoes of A.J. Brown? I don't think so. Even if he becomes that, I don't see that happening right away. Uh, they also went and acquired a former Rams wide receiver, Robert Woods. However, the Titans are going to have to transition a little bit, not to mention they did draft quarterback Malik Willis. What does that say about the future of Ryan Tannehill? There is drama in Tennessee, Ben, and it is not going to look great for them. Not to mention, guess what other AFC division they're playing in 2022? the good old AFC West. So that's my take been on the Titans. And I think they're going to struggle. I think they could be a wild card spot. And I think they will still, you know, maybe get eight, nine at most. It's going to be difficult for them. And then we talk about the Cardinals, the team that I have probably dogged on the most this season. The Cardinals are going to miss wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins, who is going to be out for six games due to violating the performance enhancing drug policy. And here's the thing about Arizona. They start off hot. That's what they're known of doing. And then they kind of fall apart later in the season. And without DeAndre Hopkins, are they going to be able to get that, you know, quick start that they need in order to be successful? You're going to have to make sure running back James Conner stays healthy. They lost running back Chase Edmonds during free agency. They lost edge rusher Chandler Jones in free agency. This Arizona team looks a little bit different than we're used to seeing. And I think we're going to need to see some guys step up. Hollywood Brown is going to have to go out there and I guess fill the shoes of DeAndre Hopkins for six weeks. But I just don't see the Cardinals, you know, being this above 500 team that maybe we would hope and expect them to be. Of course, the Arizona Cardinals started last year 7-0, one of the final unbeaten teams in the entirety of the National Football League. But then DeAndre Hopkins missed some time throughout the later portion of November and into January before he was sidelined for the rest of the year. And you can literally go to the game log and match it up to Arizona's schedule to when Nuke was out to what happened to the Cardinals and what happened to the production of Kyler Murray, who was also an MVP frontrunner when the Cardinals started off the year, a perfect 7-0. They start 7-0, they get to 10-2, and and then they lose four of their final five games in the regular season, not only to cough up a tough home stretch, but their lead in the NFC West, which led to them playing on the road in that super wild card Monday night against the Rams in Los Angeles, in which Kyler Murray was abysmal. You can tie that literally to the lack of production from DeAndre Hopkins, which makes what is going to happen in the NFC West very, very interesting this year, especially MP. And I think it's a great spot by you when you look at their team win total of nine and a half. Because if DeAndre Hopkins is missing a third of the season, it is going to be very difficult for Arizona to go over nine and a half. And nine and a half is a great number, Megan, because when you look at nine and a half, you can still be above 500 by going nine and eight now in the 17 regular season games. We play in the NFL, but you might miss the postseason, and you certainly go under your team win total of nine and a hook. MP, right before you joined, we set the AFC expectations for what is going to be an incredibly competitive conference this upcoming year in the NFL. We've talked about it a ton, that not all of the teams from the AFC West or the AFC North can make the postseason maybe that opens the door a little bit for the AFC South but it's the Colts who are the divisional favorites at minus 105 and the Titans at plus 150 and despite the fact that Tennessee was the number one overall seed in the AFC <laughs> a season ago and they're minus 110 to make the postseason MP 
I'm not sure I'm all that high on the Titans entering 2022, just like you. Yeah, I agree, Ben. And, and it's hard because, you know, we look at 2021 when we're talking about and previewing teams in their future. We talk about the previous season. However, so much changes year to year. So much has yep. changed in the AFC as a whole. We know what's changed for Tennessee with wide receiver A.J. Brown. We know what's changed uh, with them drafting quarterback Malik Willis, the drama going on there. But I think what's more important, like what you said, is the teams around the AFC. This AFC West division is going to be very strong, as we've said over and over again on the show, and they're going to beat up on each other. But the Titans kind of have the worst of both worlds. They're going to go and play them this whole year, and then they're also going to take on other difficult AFC teams. And to me, there's going to be different teams that rise to the top. And I think the Titans are going to be that kind of underdog, like, ah, they fell behind. We kind of expected them to do a little bit better. They're going to be playing yep. the Broncos. They're going to be playing the Chiefs. They're going to be playing the Chargers and the Raiders. And then, yeah, they're going to be playing their own division in the Colts. And it's just not going to look as solid to me as it did last year. And I think we're really going to see the loss and, you know, the sad face that we saw on draft night when they traded A.J. Brown. They knew that this was going to affect them. And I think we're all finally going to get to see that. The markets haven't moved much really throughout most of this offseason since the crazy frenzy that was Tyreek Hill <laughs> going to Miami and Devontae Adams to Las Vegas and Russell Wilson and the blockbuster trades we saw at the quarterback position. But it did move after the Titans traded A.J. Brown to Philadelphia. Tennessee at that time a lot closer in number to where the Colts were as two co-favorites in the AFC South since it has moved against them. And Traylon Burks in voluntary OTAs due to conditioning was said to be slightly disappointing in terms of grasping the Titans' offensive playbook early on. So it hasn't been a great summer for Tennessee up until this point. I'm also focusing on a team with a win total of 9.5 to take the under. That would be the San Francisco 49ers. The under has the plus money. The over is heavily juiced for Sam Fran. It's plus 125 for the Niners to go under a team win total of nine and a half. Now you might be looking at me and thinking, Ben, the Niners were in the NFC Championship game a season ago. If it weren't for a couple of interesting moves there down the stretch and Tart dropping a sure flyer interception against Matthew Stafford, it's probably the Niners in the Super Bowl. What are you doing fading them to go under nine and a half wins well last year they had 10 in the regular season just over this number and had to win seven of their final nine games to go over nine and a half wins when they started out just three and five they also went over this number with 13 regular season wins in 2019 when they reached the Super Bowl but under in six of the last eight years and obviously devastated by injuries especially defensively in 2020 but here's where I think San Francisco leaves a little bit to be desired in some questions moving forward a lot is given to Trey Lance. He is now the starting quarterback, it seems, in San Francisco, although Jimmy G is still there. And I know that it wasn't because of Jimmy G that San Francisco made the NFC title game, and they feel it could be a pretty easy replacement with all the talent on the roster under Kyle Shanahan. But Trey Lance played just six games last year, making just two starts. It's a small sample size, but he was only 57.7% in his completion percentage. You're asking a lot for a guy that hasn't seen a ton of NFL experience to get you to double-digit victories and back to the postseason. As you see there, greater than $2 to make it 
into the NFC playoffs once again. And MP, I'll quickly finish with my other under, also plus money to it, and a much smaller number on the Carolina Panthers at five and a half. Simply, I think Matt Rule will be the first coach fired this year in the NFL. Carolina had the worst ATS record in the National Football League a season ago at 5-12 and 12 against the number, despite starting the year 3-0 and in covering in two of those first three games before losing 12 of their last 14. And MP, as you well know, in this industry, we judge a lot by how, you comp- how competitive you are against the number. And when Carolina was 3-7 and seven, ATS as a dog last year, not even expected to win and still fell short, yeah, I'm going under 5.5 for the Panthers this year. MP, as always, a pleasure. We talked so much on Win Total Tuesday. We need more time. Ben, I love your unders. Real quick, I think a great point you said with the 49ers. How about their key starter, Debo Samuel? He's not very happy in there. That'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I appreciate you having me on. Excited for next Tuesday, Team Total Tuesday. Two segments next Tuesday, hope. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, we have finally arrived to one of my favorite times each and every day throughout the Stanley Cup postseason here on the morning after. It's playoff puck talk, but not just playoff puck talk. Stanley Cup capping with our man NHL.com's Pete Jensen. Joining the show here on the morning after on this Tuesday to recap game number three in Tampa Bay last night between the Lightning and the Avalanche. And Pete, it's starting to feel like we have ourselves a series in the Stanley Cup final. Oh, absolutely. So much has changed uh, right in a matter of one game. It's you see the avalanche all of a sudden having a little goaltending dilemma after Darcy Kemper got pulled. I know there are some injuries on the lightning side, like Kucherov left the game late in game three. Braden Point didn't play, which is a bit of a concern Mm. for them. But it's always next man up for this team. Coming into the season, it was next men up to replace their third line. And it just seems like Almost every other game, guys like Corey Perry, Nick Paul, Ross Colton, these guys like just step up and deliver in big spots, even though, you know, coming into this season, nobody would have really looked at those guys as playoff difference makers, uh, but they're all coming together and manning down the ship. And I think Tampa Bay is definitely back in this series. And Tampa is one of those teams, Ben, where like if you give them the momentum back, they may just take it for good. That's why they're the two-time reigning Stanley Cup champions. And what a role reversal it was for the Lightning last night from game number two. Of course, that final game in Denver, Colorado wins 7-0. They were the team providing all of the offensive momentum. But then last night, back at home in the Amelie Arena, Tampa Bay, the one with the offensive onslaught. 6-2, the final. So, Pete, what takeaway do you have seeing the Bolts get back to their scoring ways last night? I mean, it was good to see guys like Kucherov and Hedman get going again. Uh, they control. They didn't control the possession, but they certainly uh, dictated the play uh, with their zone exits and just pushing it forward with a lot more speed than they did in the previous two games. Having last change when you're at home certainly helps your cause there. But yeah, with how things went in game two, it seemed like 
the Lightning were a bit lifeless without any answers. But once again, John Cooper's team makes those necessary adjustments. And for Colorado, you look back to last year when they played the Vegas Golden Knights. They won game one in a route. They won game two. They were leading game three like they were leading last night, one to nothing. And it slipped away. And the story last year for Colorado was they lost four straight to the Golden Knights. They couldn't have they couldn't make any adjustments. So now will the tune change? Will they learn from that experience? This is like one of those put up or shut up situations for Colorado because it's really this is their year to win the cup. Tampa has done it before. How much hungrier will they come out in game four? We'll tell you all you need to know about where this series is headed. So last night, the total of six pushes to the over, six to two, the final. All three games so far hitting an over. And now because of Tampa getting at least one game in this series, the Avs still ahead two to one in the series count. We predicted this yesterday, Pete. The Avs were plus 600, enter, or minus 600 rather, excuse me, entering game number three as the heavy favorites to win the Stanley Cup outright. We said that if Tampa would win on their home ice, it'd probably slash those odds in half. And that's what we see here on this Tuesday morning. Colorado's still a substantial favorite to win the Stanley Cup at minus 300. But Tampa, plus 500 yesterday, now plus 240. So Tampa gets one, Pete. But what can we expect the rest of the way? Will this remain a competitive series as we keep going in the Stanley Cup final? My pick on NHL.com coming into the series was Avs in seven. And after what I saw last night, I think this series is going six or seven, whether the Avalanche yeah. like it or not. Uh, it's going to be really fun to watch. Both teams have, you know, obviously star-studded rosters, high-octane offenses. With the Lightning uh, and with the trend of this postseason, this is their underdog tour. Even though they're going for a three-peat, every single series, either at the start, Right, They were playing the Toronto Maple Leafs at the start of the playoffs. Everybody underestimated them. They were the underdog. Going into the Florida Panthers series, even though they beat Florida last year, they were the underdog. They lost the first two games to the New York Rangers. Everybody had them back labeled as underdogs. They came back and won four straight. And then sure enough, coming into this series against the loaded Avalanche, maybe rightfully so, but maybe they shouldn't have been as big underdogs uh, as they were, because I think we saw even after the blowout in game two, some major adjustments. They're right back in this thing with or without Kucherov. I think they could hang around with the avalanche in game four is going to make for a very interesting and probably a lengthy series here. I'm glad you bring up game four, Pete, because last night, what stood out to all of us here on the morning after was that Tampa Bay down two nothing in this series, but back on home ice had the same price on the money line minus 110 as that of Colorado also minus 110 move forward to game number four it's the same exact thing even juice for the Avs and the Bolts both at minus 110 so Pete in your estimation what will Tampa Bay need to do in game number four to even up this series at two games apiece they have to close the gap in the possession. That's a key thing. The luxury that Tampa has, unlike Colorado, where now they have to go back to the drawing board and they're choosing between Darcy Kemper and Pavel Francouz, uh, they always go back to Vasilevsky. Vasilevsky has played every single game for the Tampa Bay Lightning in the playoffs 
in the past three postseasons. It's an incredible story through thick and thin and ups and downs. He gave up seven goals the other day, comes back and wins and has an incredible home record this postseason with only one loss. But yeah, the puck possession is a huge advantage for Colorado so far. It's what has allowed them to open up some of the games. You know, obviously they got off to a big lead in game one. Game two was a blowout in their favor. They're plus 60 in shot attempts differential at five on five. So I think the lightning power play obviously needs to be better. Only one power play goal in the series, but that five on five play is so huge for Colorado. You close that gap. Colorado doesn't feel like they have an advantage in this series anymore. And I think it's as simple as that. The total at six for game number four as well. NHL.com and the host of the fantasy on ice podcast, Pete Jensen joining us here to look at where the Stanley cup stands now at after three games with the avalanche still up two games to one in this series but the lightning taking game number three last night absolutely hammering the abs winning six to two which led to darcy kemper getting pulled and pavel francois into the game for colorado pete if you had to guess who do you think is in net for game number four for colorado I mean, I think they're probably going to go back to Darcy Kemper. He was uh, he had an outstanding regular season, hasn't really steered them wrong at any point in the playoffs. Uh, you know, he's had a couple of losses. They've actually, I believe all the losses have come in games he has played, not Francois, but I think this is probably the last uh, shot for Kemper. Uh, maybe if he loses game four, they would switch to Francois at home. The home crowd has been on Francois's side. Anytime he's come in in relief, in uh, dire circumstances, uh, he's been really good at home. Maybe you make that move there. But I think you have to go with the guy that you got in the offseason, right, when Philip Grubauer signed with the Seattle Kraken. They went ahead and, like, the next day they traded for Darcy Kemper. Um, I think it was an improvement at the goaltending position, and I think you got to trust your best guy. That's Darcy Kemper here. Even after allowing, what, five goals on 22 shots faced, uh, pretty ugly game. But, again, you, you needed a response if you were Tampa Bay, and they answered the bell once again. So I don't fault Kemper too much. I would not, like, just completely abort the strategy and change goalies here. I'd go back to Kemper. And game three is normally that time in a seven-game series, especially if a team is down 2 nothing, where we see that resolve. We see that response. And a 6-2 victory for the Bolts last night, certainly what we saw out of the two-time reigning Stanley Cup champs. Might we see the same in game number four? That's tomorrow night in Tampa Bay, Florida, between the Lightning and the Avs. And Pete, there's a great chance, with all the momentum the Bolts now have, to have this series at two games apiece, heading back to game number five in Denver. But at least according to the odds, there is still an expectation for Colorado to win tomorrow and then to wrap things up on home ice in game number five. For the Avs to win the Stanley Cup in five games, it's the most likely outcome right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook at plus 225. Pete, you told us you expect six or seven games in what we now see to be a more competitive series. But what adjustments could the Avs make for tomorrow night that would have them just one win away returning to home in Colorado for game five? Yeah, I mean, I think that they learned the hard way that, you know, playing run and gun and trying to, you know, you can't open up the ice with Tampa Bay, even though you're the high flying team, 
you need to buckle down defensively. Things change when you when the home team has last change and you don't have the matchups that you want every time out or every other time out. So I think the abs will adjust in that way. But yeah, I think that like the abs have had trouble adjusting at some key points in the past two postseasons. They have had a couple of sweeps. They had one sweep last year against the blues. They've had two sweeps this year, right? Against the predators and the Oilers, but those series in between when they hit a bump in the road, they struggle to make those adjustments. So they responded in game uh, six on the road against the St. Louis Blues. They trailed in the third right. period. They came back and scored a goal in the final seconds to finish them off. But keep in mind, that was when Jordan Bennington was injured and Tory Krug didn't play at all in the series. So for Colorado, now without Nazem Kadri, hopefully he comes back at some point soon. But you got to worry about Colorado a little bit here, given their track record. When things are going swimmingly, it's like, oh, this team is a world beater. They're, no, they're not going to lose anymore. Prior to game three, they hadn't lost a home game, a road game all postseason. But when they hit that bump in the road, things go south pretty quickly sometimes. So even though it's a long shot, uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning just won four straight against the New York Rangers last year. When the Avs lost to the Golden Knights, the Golden Knights won four straight in games three, four, five, and six, and the Avs were out. So how could you ignore that storyline? Even though it's a long shot right there on the board, um, it's a possibility given the Avs' history. All three of the shortest and most likely outcomes for the series' correct score are in favor of Colorado. It makes sense. The Avs are minus 300 still to win the Stanley Cup outright. Yet, it feels a little bit different. And who are we to discredit the two-time reigning Stanley Cup champs in the Tampa Bay Lightning? Obviously, Pete, you are the host of the Fantasy on Ice podcast. As we look at some of the players that stepped up in the biggest way last night, what can we expect from the Fantasy on Ice podcast in the coming days as we get ready for Game 4 and the rest of this series? Yeah, right after I get off with you guys, I'm going to be recording an episode that'll drop soon. NHL Fantasy on Ice, Stanley Cup final reaction, of course. Some recent coaching changes. This last show, we talked about Bruce Cassidy to the Golden Knights. Now we got John Tortorella to the Philadelphia Flyers. And sounds like the Dallas Stars are going to be making a coaching change uh, or new hiring to be announced soon. So we're looking forward to that, breaking that all down, and we'll keep it tuned in in the off season and the draft free agency that whole deal so excited to keep the ball rolling and thanks so much for having me on as always pete we appreciate your time we end out the morning after up next sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com Rounding out our two hours together here on a Tuesday on the morning after live on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, channel 159, the home for SportsGrid Radio on Sirius XM and all across the SportsGrid network. I'm Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us on this Tuesday. We got to so much on the sports docket. The NBA draft coming up in just two days. We went around Major League Baseball. Some of the breaking news for the Live Golf Series and the golf drama continuing on. Of course, Brooks Kepka. Joining the live.
series. We talk Major League Baseball. We talk college baseball. We'll do that in just a second. We went NHL Stanley Cup final with Pete Jensen. A ton in college football and a ton in the NFL as well. All part of a fun Tuesday here on the morning after. But we finish again in Omaha, Nebraska. We hit big last night. 13-5 to the final. Ole Miss over Arkansas going well over a total of 10.5. Offense on full display last night at the Men's College World Series. Because of that loss, Arkansas now in an elimination game against an SEC opponent once more. Auburn today in the College World Series. The nightcap in Omaha. And that is our focus for our bye-bye-bye best bet. So before we say farewell, before we say goodbye, it's time for that best bet. It's time for bye-bye-bye. When half of the teams that make the Omaha 8 for the College World Series hail from the SEC, of course you're going to get some familiar foes. That was the case last night for Arkansas and Ole Miss. The running Revs continue their perfect unbeaten postseason, 7-0 in the NCAA baseball tournament, sending Arkansas to this elimination game against Auburn. Only met once this year in the regular season in the SEC. The Hogs taking two of the three in the set against the Tigers. I expect the same today for the Razorbacks. Staving off elimination and continuing on in the College World Series. Do I have a future on Arkansas winning the whole thing? Yes. Does that affect my bet today? Yes. But minus 138 on the money line. The morning after, each and every weekday, live right here on SportsGrid, starting at 9 a.m. Eastern time. I'm Ben Stevens, and we'll talk tomorrow.